Over 100 Syracuse football players united today to send out a message about how they want to help Syracuse University athletics, Syracuse University football players, but everybody across the board. As they put it in their words, foster a more diverse, inclusive, and equal campus environment for black athletes in the Syracuse football program. Here to tell us about that is somebody who played Syracuse football on the offensive line. You can follow him on Twitter for this and other great things. And he's going to tell us how all these football players came together to send this message. Zach Shabane is back on the block ESPN Radio. Zach, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Brent. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, Zach. And, you know, uh, before we get into everything, a lot of uh, meaty stuff to discuss, certainly in a, a transformative time in college athletics, I just wanted to start with asking how you are. What's what's life like these days? Give us a little update. Uh, things are going well um, under the circumstances, of course. I mean, a lot of turmoil and, and terrible news lately, but, but I'm hanging in there. I have been a practicing lawyer in the state of New York for the last three years, and I'm working at a big law firm here in New York City. So uh, things are going well. Good to hear, Zach. Especially, I was actually going to discuss this with my listeners later about would they be willing to sign a waiver to go to a college football game. That's kind of where we're at these days, and it seems like uh, the winner in all these things is billable hours, right? We need we need the lawyers to figure it out. So we'll we'll, yeah, we'll lean on absolutely. you. We'll lean on you and absolutely. guys like you to figure that stuff out, Zach. There there are a lot of unique and and novel questions here with the uh, COVID nineteen crisis and waivers. I mean, liability for for businesses and for universities. That's just one of the many complicated issues. It certainly is. Uh, well, we'll figure that out when we we'll cross that bridge when we get there, as they say. But I wanted to kind of give you the floor. I saw this message come across my Twitter feed today. I was happy to share it with my followers and, and listeners and readers. And over 100, a total, a, a total of 124 former Syracuse football players came together for this message. So I want to give you the floor to tell us how that came about and what that message is. Sure. So... This was really an organic process from the start, and for the last year or so, I and, and several other former SU football players have been trying to stay in touch and you know, chat with one another, whether it's guys we played with, offensive line mates of mine, and, and folks who were just on the team during my four years at Cuse, and that has sort of taken a, a, a number of different shapes, and whether it's just socially checking in on one another you know, who's going up to what game. We have a few different group chats. We have some email address lists. And thankfully, there was some infrastructure in place because guys were so socially connected. And when the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery happened, thankfully, we were able to pretty quickly mobilize and start having conversations with one another. And several of them were just informative. There was no agenda. It was just a means for folks and specifically black athletes to share their experiences at SU and and just out in the world. And so I was really lucky and really fortunate to get on some video conferences and, and hold some video calls with some of the guys I played with, some SU football alum who played earlier than me, later than me. And, and we had some really interesting conversations and, and I was able to hear their take and sort of hear their experiences that, that they had both at SU, but also out in the world. And, um, 
again, as I said, it was it was organic, and so we had two or three of these conversations with as many as fifty former SU football players, and there were hundreds of others who were participating just by email and text message, and it seemed like there was a lot of good energy. I mean, I mean, guys were frustrated, they were upset, they were saddened, as the as the statement noted, but people were also excited to start proposing solutions, learning more about the problems that current athletes face. And I think this dovetailed nicely with the current issues on SU's campus. And like many other colleges, you know, racist uh, incidences and, and examples of hate on campus appeared this last year. And, um, I think a lot of the athletes, former athletes, were frustrated. They were they were saddened and, and they were disappointed by the university's response or or lack of response. And so that was sort of the genesis of this. And we started to have some conversations about what we could do and what we were best positioned to try to propose. And we're still sort of in the in those early uh, discussions, but we decided to put together a statement and and several of us helped to draft the statement and it was really just a combination of everything that we had heard all the frustration all the sadness and disappointment and it is directed to finding concrete solutions and working together with su athletics our ultimate goal right now is to sit down and have a seat at the table and there's been some initial outreach already to the athletics department to try to learn what the specific issues are on campus. And and there's a lot of information we can gather even before that stage. And we're sort of right in the middle of that, the information gathering period. And, and one of the things we're able to learn is that even though most football rosters are majority black, the black athletes across the country, and, and SU is no exception, are graduating at lower rates than both the white football players who are on the team with them and also the black non-football players, so the non-athletes on campus. And there, there's a lot of disappointing statistics about the underrepresentation of, of uh, black people in administrations, in the NCAA staff. And, I mean, SU campus, depending on where you look, is, is around 5% black and, and even less than that some years. And so to see a majority of the football program black um, graduating at rates lower than white football players and black undergraduate students, I mean, that's disappointing. And and I think it points to an opportunity gap that exists. And if we can have a seat at the table, if we can speak with the athletics department about what we see as the primary problems that exist today, and we can start proposing solutions and, you know, supporting those solutions along with athletics. And I think this will all be a worthwhile cause. But as I said, we're sort of in those initial steps and we want to make sure we have all the information possible before we start proposing concrete solutions. But this letter was really just designed to let the world know, let SU and, and the SU athletics department know that we're organized, we're frustrated, but but we're hopeful that we can help bring about change, and we're willing, we're more than willing to start having discussions about you know, how we can best do that and how the athletics department can start to implement changes to to bridge that opportunity gap that exists.
Zach, it's encouraging to hear that the university is willing to sit down and discuss with you and, and do this, and they're putting out statements, and everybody's trying to figure out the best way forward from here. I think sports plays a unique role in this, and you know this, and you mentioned some of the stats there, some certainly disappointing, but a football locker room is such a unique experiment of life. Think of all the different people coming together from all different backgrounds of life, of race, of region, whatever the case may be, to unite Absolutely. for a common goal. So it just seems to me like sports is a natural place to find some solutions to this. How, how do the lessons of coming together as a team apply to something that's certainly a more serious subject, not winning a game, but you know, winning a battle that, that needs to be fought? Sure. I mean, it's, it's on several fronts, and it's so applicable to what we're trying to deal with today. I mean, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that the time in my life when I spent, you know, the most time around minorities was in the SU football locker room. And unfortunately, I just haven't had the opportunity to be around so a, such a diverse group of people, you know, as you said, socioeconomic, racial, geographic. I mean, there's just people from all walks of life. And it's such a unique experience to be able to interact with all those people. And, and as you said, to unite behind a common goal of winning games. And, you know, when you're having conversations, now we're all grown up, you know, we're all out in the world. But I think people realize that uh, boiling it down to a few goals, you know, what we're looking to accomplish, how we can best get there. It's, it's not unlike, you know, getting a game plan together and having guys do different jobs to, to get us to, you know, that, that finish line or that end zone. And um, I think people have really embraced that. You know, there are some guys who feel better helping to format a document and provide some of their input on graphics. You know, if they're in a field that's more conducive to that, other guys may have connections to uh, football. They might be coaches, and so they're reaching out to, to learn about what some of these programs have been doing to solve some of these issues. You know, I provide a legal perspective, not that one is needed right now, but, uh, you know, reading, taking in research, and, and writing um, solutions. I mean, that's something that, that I've sort of been trained to do in my profession. So I think guys are really just taking to different tasks and, and finding where their lane is and how they can best support the efforts. But, you know, getting on the call with all these guys and just seeing how diverse a group we are, it really felt like I was back in the locker room again. Now, Zach, let's uh, take that to the current players in the locker room. I, we're in a unique circumstance, and you can speak to this having been a student athlete. I think there was the kind of a sense of, you know, kind of stay in your lane and focus on a- athletics and academics and stay there and don't really, you know, rock the boat, so to say. That's certainly changed. Even Coach Babers has said, no, we've got to address this as a family and figure out how to, you know, make the community better as football players. So how important do you think it is for those current players to have the backing of so many alumni to feel like, you know, not only all all the issues you're addressing here, but to feel like they can speak out about this and to have the backing of these former players and and their brothers in arms, so to say? Sure. I mean, there's absolutely that sense that when you're on a team, you know, you don't want to speak out. You don't want to be too loud. You you don't want to rock the boat. But I mean, as you said, I think that's that's really shifting, and, and the landscape is shifting, and, and players are starting to realize that they have a little more autonomy to speak their mind. And even if you know they're not speaking about issues that are you know visited upon athletes directly, they can talk about broader societal issues, and they feel free to do that. And you know, I, I'm not in the locker room; I haven't you know been back on campus in, in probably two years now. But it does seem like. Uh, John Wildhack and, and Coach Babers are, are fostering an environment that allows 
student athletes to, you know, be a part of advocacy, to speak up on, on various issues. And it's certainly encouraging to hear that. Zach, it's uh, amazing to look at the landscape that these players are dealing with with this issue and, of course, dealing with COVID-19. And, uh, you know, somebody who recently played the game, can you put yourself in the position of these players back on campus working out but knowing there's a pandemic, knowing that the future is uncertain of how they'll play, when they'll play, everything is still kind of up in the air. How would you deal with this as a player and how do you think they're dealing with it now? Well, I mean, personally, if I, if I were going through this right now, I think as long as the university and the athletics department is, is smart about keeping guys sort of in these pods, and I, and I read that that's what they're doing. They're making sure that guys are only interacting with so many other players until all the tests are back and until they can be sure that, you know, there aren't any small outbreaks. Um, I think that's a really smart first step. And as long as, you know, guys aren't going home on weekends to see their family and to visit you know, elderly relatives, I think they're going about it the right way. Now, I'm not sort of steeped in all the details, but um, there are some risks involved, certainly. And, um, I mean, if I were playing now, I'd be eager and kind of chomping at the bit to get back. But at the same time, you have to be cautious about sort of how the university is handling it, making sure that all the checks, all the all the medical staff are, are in place to make sure guys are staying healthy and you know, in my experience, the athletics department, the medical staff was always great about making sure we were all healthy and we were all, um, you know, putting our best foot forward from a health perspective. And you know, I, have, I have little doubt that SU is doing everything they can, but it's certainly a tough position um, to be in as a student athlete. But, you know, I've been hearing about some schools that are requiring waivers to be signed, which would absolve the university from any liability for for example, not testing properly, not treating cases, and not informing student-athletes when cases come up, and, and that's deeply concerning to me. Zach, it's great to hear your voice. It's great to see what you and so many former players are doing, just the first steps of, of a long process, we hope, here, and, and hopefully some change and some progress will be made here. Don't be a stranger. Keep us up to date on what you're doing and how you're doing it. We'd love to have you back sometime, uh, anytime, really. Uh, but thanks for your time and your perspective today, my friend. Stay safe and stay healthy out there. Likewise, Brent. Thanks very much for having me. We're halfway through 2020. We could use a little kick in the butt. We could use a motivational halftime speech to really to have the motivation to face the rest of this year. We're halfway through 2020. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> We've we got a whole... Uh, Half of this year to go, I just shudder to think what the second half of 2020 will bring. Well, that's why sports movies are sports movies. You just need some dramatic music. You need a well-timed speech. And you go out there, and you win one for the get there. So here we have, presented by Point Guard Advisors, our top six list today. These are the top six coaches we want to deliver the halftime speech for 2020. And it starts with Matthew McConaughey. We are Marshall. When you take that field today, you've got to lay that heart on the line, man. From the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, if you do that, we cannot lose. There you go. I like that bird chirping there, right in, in the mix. 
go. We cannot lose. Sorry, voice guy. We uh, number six forgot to give a your shout out here. Here is number five. What do we have to do, Denzel? Listen up. This is our time now. Second half is our time. We're gonna make some changes on defense. It's spreading us out too far. We're gonna put Sunshine, Allen, Glasgow, Davis. You're gonna play both ways. Rest of the game. I don't want a receiver to get across that line of scrimmage. Coach Yost will tell you where you're playing, all right? Let's go. It's our time. Everybody in. Our time. Our time. Our time. Titans on three. One, two, three. Titans. Getting fired up now, aren't you? You're getting ready to do something, huh? Number four. Coach Eric Taylor. Can you play like champions? How much are you willing to sacrifice yourselves out in this field? Because I promise you. They're going to come at you with everything they've got. And this is our time. This is your time. I want you to know I'm proud to take the field with you. I have never been more proud of a team than I am right now. You be proud of yourselves. Because, gentlemen, you are champions. Take that with you. Let's go play some football. Let's go. Lose. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. Run through that wall right over there. Number three. Al Pacino. All comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we're going to fight for that inch. We're going to scratch. Number two. And claw for that inch. It's my bad uh, Al Pacino impression. I know this speech by heart. I can give it to you myself, but let, let's have Kurt Russell. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I want to watch all of these movies tonight. All of them. I want to rewatch the entire Friday night's Friday night light show. I want to watch all these movies. I will be running through walls at two in the morning. Now, up to this point, we heard from Matthew McConaughey, and we heard from Denzel Washington, and we heard from Kurt Russell there, played the great Herb Brooks in Miracle, Al Pacino, the great Inches speech in Any Given Sunday. These are all fictional characters, but we are talking about a football coach. We're talking about a coach to deliver the ultimate speech. Now, he is known for his post-game speeches. He is known for... Delivering the message after the upset has been delivered. So I'm sort of cheating here because it's not a halftime speech that he's known for, per se. Number one. But he's a man that we want to deliver the speech to take us into the second half of 2020. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. They have no idea. They don't. We are together. We play as one. We win as one. Off the field, on the field, picnics to the classroom, we're together. He's our coach. He's the coach we want to deliver that speech for the second half of 2020. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. 
Aquino Babers. Number one in your hearts and on your program.